Hey there, welcome to the Student to CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Mason. We're talking to entrepreneurs who launched their business at a young age, and they're now killing the game. Tune in to our episodes as these guests spill the dirt on taking that leap into entrepreneurship just like they did. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Student to CEO podcast. I'm so excited to have Brittany Lowe joining us today. Brittany is the CEO and founder behind Butini. Fostering a passion for beauty since the age of two, the beauty guru founded Butini, now one of the top bridal beauty companies in NYC that's been featured in People Magazine, The New York Times, The Knot, Brides, and many more. Since launching the fast-growing bridal beauty brand, she has seen thousands of brides walk through her office all in search of a custom beauty experience that's shaking up the $300 billion wedding industry. Brittany continues to be a go-to bridal expert, regularly tapped by beauty brands and media outlets, as well as her 20K plus fans on social media. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us today. Ashley, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. Likewise, I'd love if you could start off by sharing with our listeners what you do and what led you there. Of course, I currently have a beauty service company, as you mentioned, called Butini, and we're based in Manhattan, and we do hair and makeup services specializing in weddings and events. Um, But in addition to that, and given the pandemic, it provided a huge opportunity for me to launch my new business in addition to Butini that will be launching next March called Bea, B-E-I-A, which will be a beauty wellness brand. Um, so I'm excited to get into products. And then I also have my own podcast that I co-host called Cake for Breakfast. And awesome. so I, yeah. And so I started, it's funny enough, I actually wrote my second grade journal that one day I'd want to have a beauty company. And since that moment, I always I put my blinders on and always told myself like I would make it happen Um, because my dad, when he was driving me to school one morning in the second grade, he asked me what I wanted to be when I grow up. And generally I would always say like a ballerina, maybe an astronaut, like something that was pretty outrageous. And that car ride for whatever reason, I was like, I really like beauty. And he's like, great, Brittany, you can go work for Estee Lauder or Clinique. That's a great idea. I was like, no dad, I'm going to have my own beauty company (laughs) and so that morning like that day I guess um during journal time I wrote that I would have my own company and that was like the goal and still is a goal and um it's just kind of funny how it started when I was like eight years old absolutely so a follow-up question that I have to that is what made you want to pursue beauty like personally what what kind of drove you to want to dive into that industry even at only eight years old So I started doing ballet at the age of two and every year that we would have a ballet recital and everyone had to wear makeup and lipstick and wear your hair in a bun. And so those were the days that my mom would let me like play with her makeup bag. And I thought I looked beautiful with smearing eyeshadow and lipstick all across my face. And funny enough, like my mom would let me go on stage looking like an absolute clown because (laughs) I was so excited and I felt so beautiful with all this makeup smeared all over. And I think for me, that's when I discovered that beauty isn't just about like needing to wear like foundation cover things, but it's really about like empowering yourself to look and feel your absolute best. 
Um, and so ever since then, like, I just loved how it made me feel. And I think there's just like such an empowering aspect to applying makeup and feeling, because when you feel your best, you can take on the world. And that's like how I've always approached beauty. And so even with building Butini and building Bea, it's really important for me to create that synergy of empowering women and making them feel like confident and amazing because then they're going to go off and lead their best lives. And my mechanism in with empowering women happens to be makeup and beauty. I love it. And I couldn't agree more about the whole empowerment and confidence because it just brings a whole other level to who you are as a person and what you can achieve in the world. I agree. And honestly, like everyone has like their calling in this world, I believe. And, some, you know, I don't think you have to be saving lives to leave, leave your own impact. I think it's really understanding what's your passion and how can you use that in your own unique way to help others. And for me, that's beauty. Um, some people could argue that's surface level, but I do think it goes so deep um, underneath the skin that to me, I feel like it's my calling to, on this world. Most definitely. And now I'd love if you could share with our listeners what went into the process of starting your business. So how old were you? What was it like actually forming Butini? Give us the lowdown and all the details. Um, so what, starting in second grade, I knew I wanted to dabble into beauty. And then in high school, I decided to take a loan from my grandma and build out a mascara line just to understand like what does it mean to have a business and it was called Belo Cosmetics um, and it was much harder to sell mascaras without being in a Sephora or Ulta like the whole process was a lot trickier than I thought it would be mm. and so when it came time to choose a college I wanted to choose a place where they could really prepare me to be a great entrepreneur. And so I ended up going to Babson College, which is known for entrepreneurship. Um, it was a very small community that I felt like they could really teach me all everything or almost as much as I could know without having my own business. And so my junior going to senior year that summer, I interned for L'Oreal, which was like my dream corporate beauty company. And after my internship, I actually got a job offer. So I got a job offer before I even started senior year for me to start working at L'Oreal in their like managerial fast track program after I graduated. And so I essentially signed because I was so excited to be chosen as one of the people to be a part of this program. Um, and also I could enjoy my senior year. I could just have fun and know that I already had a job secured. Um, but shortly after I realized that I was being this huge phony because I was saying <laughs> for years and years and years, I'd have a beauty company and here I'm signing my life to a corporation and going the corporate route. And so I decided after I signed, I would use my senior year to, you know, to take advantage of all the resources that Babson College had, um, for starting a business build up my mentor network and just build up my network and try to see if I can develop my own beauty business. And so my agreement to myself was if I could build out the concept for Butini and raise funding where I could move to New York and do it right, then I was going to do Butini. If I could not make it happen by the time I had to go to L'Oreal, then I would go to L'Oreal and then figure it out. And so I was lucky enough where I was able to to build a really great network, have some wonderful mentors, raise investment from angels. And so I was able to actually not go to L'Oreal at all and start my business right out of college. 
That's amazing. And I love what you had mentioned too about during your senior year, just really focusing on starting your own company because it was something you were so passionate about. And that was something that I kind of faced too, where I started my company when I was a sophomore in college, but I said to myself, okay, if I can't do this, then I'll go the marketing agency route rather than starting my own. So I think it's a really interesting thing that you kind of followed a similar path of really making sure that you were dedicating that year to building your brand up and look at how it paid off, which is amazing. Wow. I love that you did that too, because when I was at Babson, it seemed very normal. Like everyone was starting their own businesses. Some of them were like making millions of dollars by the time they finished freshman year. And it was incredible. But when you leave like my little Babson bubble, it is very scary. And it is pretty crazy that we both decided to go full-time on a business when we had no, essentially no work experience. So props to you. (laughs) Thank you. And so as a follow-up question to that, one thing I would love to ask you is what was the most difficult of part of starting your business while young, especially as you were kind of navigating your senior year? Hmm, that's a great question. So senior year, like I just had to, like you, ha- you made a conscious decision. You said like, by I have two years of college. If I can make this into business, then I'm going to do it. If not, I'm go- not going to. I think for me, it was like giving myself like a one year timeline on like using my, like for at Babson, you only had classes Monday through Thursday. And so like Friday, Saturday, Sunday was your weekend. And so I had to make this commitment to myself on spending my Friday. Saturday, Sundays, working on developing Utini, and then of course at nights during the week too. And so I think it's a lot of just like navigating like priorities, right? Like there, I strongly encourage students who are thinking about going into their own business versus taking a job. I'm like, if you don't have an idea that you're dying over and you would be so upset if someone else did it before you, I would hold off on it because it's a ton of work and it's a ton of risk. And I think there's a ton of value for going into a training program, say at Goldman or McKinsey or going and getting real life experience before starting your own business. Um, but I made that decision where I, I had my backup and I was going to navigate it. And with that timeline and the biggest part, like the biggest part was starting was I graduated. I had, someone in the Babson community offered me a big chunk of investment. And so that summer it was a lot of negotiation, but he ended up like not following through. And that was really tricky because I kind of had so much uncertainty on what my future would look like. And luckily enough, I was able to find three and then ultimately four angels um, to come and invest in Butini instead. But there's just so much unknown. And I remember Um, just like crying every day in the beginning, because you don't really, until you have a structure and have a ton of paying customers and have everything situated, it's just very overwhelming to know where to start. And so I actually started working at Sony Music um, for a few days part-time. I did it more so, again, just to like maintain that relationship. That was the biggest blessing I had in starting the business. I didn't have to worry about how I was going to pay rent and not use up all my funds just on myself, but rather I was given like this office space um, for Sony a few days a week and I could be there the other days working on Butini, gave me structure, gave me the work experience that I was craving. And then you know that like, okay, 
I only have this amount of time after work these days to work on butini. And then I have two days a week plus the weekends to work on butini as well. And I think it created this sense of urgency um, for me to be able to become full-time with butini. Um, so I'd say my takeaway from there is you, the biggest part is emotionally deciding that you're going to go all in and creating your business. Because if you have one foot in and one foot out, you're never going to really make the traction that you need to become full time. And you're always going to stay in limbo of, okay, I have this part-time job and I'm going to dabble in a business. Like you really have to give yourself those time frames that we talked about in order to make sure that you take that leap sooner than later. Yes. And I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned too the part about having that part-time job because I think that there's people who are entrepreneurs sometimes face almost like a stigma to themselves where they almost feel like an imposter or a fraud if they need to have that part-time job in the beginning. But there is absolutely nothing wrong with having that while you're working on building up your business and brand because that's what allows you to take it full-time. So I'm really glad that you shared your experience with that with our listeners because it is absolutely something that can really help you out in the long run. Yes. I think my biggest pet peeve as I was trying to figure out how to grow Butini is there's so many podcasts and interviews where people are like, yeah, like I was, you know, like I went from rags to riches like overnight and this is how it happened. And there's so many deep details that are left out. And I think that there's nothing wrong. Like I would highly recommend, like I, my boss at Sony was the woman who like started MTV is on the board of Amazon. She's an absolute rock star. And even though I was basically her assistant's assistant, I was able to interact with her on a daily basis. I was under, able to understand how a true corporation operates. And I think there's a lot, it's all about seeing the positives. Don't feel bad about yourself because you have to bartend or take a second job to do it. No one cares as much as you do. And I do think it's important that like when I was like a new person, like a new young professional who just graduated, everyone would talk about their coworkers and their boss. And I remember sometimes people like, oh, like you don't really have to go to the office. Ah, you don't really, can you just like be home for the house cleaner today? And I think it's important for you to take yourself seriously. And the part-time job, like I had a boss, I had to go into the office. It gave me the structure that I needed, but also made me respect myself where like, no, just because I don't have a boss or maybe I'm not going into an office every day doesn't mean I have all this free time where everyone else is in an office and has less time, you know, like it's really yes. important to like to take yourself seriously because if you don't, no one else will. Which is such a great point. And it's almost like, I don't necessarily want to say the whole idea of like fake it until you make it, but really having that confidence in yourself because it's your confidence that will help you do so much more in the future. I totally agree. And on the opposite end of the most difficult part of starting your business while young, what was the most rewarding? The most rewarding even today is hearing our clients' experiences with Butini and like with the company. Like we worked so hard building this brand and building a team and making things like become the best that we can make it. And so to see that clients really appreciate everything that we've done to create their experience and have put a lot of time and thought into it, that just warms my heart. Like nothing feels better than a happy customer. Absolutely. And it's always those happy customers that make the tough days with the bad customers so much better, right? 
Yes, there's definitely like if you're starting your business, you're never going to please every single person. But it is finding those people who do appreciate you and see so much value in your company to really support and engage them. Because the more that you can engage and like work with them, the more that they're going to introduce or recommend your company to their friends and you get more of those clients versus the tough ones. (laughs) Right. 100%. And Brittany, one thing I want to ask you is, what do you think led to your success? I think that I am very detailed-oriented in the sense that I am brand-obsessed, whether it's the website and the branding and how we display things at events or um, also like the web- photos, everything. Like I am very much obsessed with what matters, but I've learned I'm really good at not caring or letting go of the little things because you're, you, you as CEOs have in business owners, there is so much to get done, um, in any given day. And so it's really important to prioritize what really matters and where to put your emotions and your energy towards and what to like, just let go and just get it done. And so I think my ability to, to recognize that and be able to prioritize and make sure that like we just keep moving forward and not waiting till every single aspect is 100% perfect. It has been a huge key in addition to making sure that our experience with our customer is amazing and our brand is top notch. Absolutely. Because one thing that I always say is if you wait for that perfect moment to launch something or do something, the perfect moment is never going to happen. And then it's never going to get done. So it's all about just moving forward anyway, even if you don't have your ducks in a row and just making sure you're moving forward and keep getting there no matter what. Absolutely. And I will say also like having a great team, like you have to, I have an amazing team at Butini and I, if I didn't let them do their jobs and was trying to micromanage them all the time, like we would also not be the company that we are too. So it's like hire for your weaknesses and let them flourish within the brand because ultimately that's not going to make the team stronger, but also make your clients happier. Absolutely. And Brittany, if there was one thing you wish you did differently or one thing you know now that you wish you knew then, what would it be and why? Okay, so there is probably, it's kind of like two different things, but one from a personal level, I wish as a young, recently college graduate that I took the time to understand personal finances and making sure that my personal needs were in order. Um, in addition to just worrying about the business, because if you're not completely secure as an individual, that's going to transcend into the company that you're trying to run. So that's number one. And number two, as a business is I was very frugal, of course, as every startup needs to be in terms of spending money in the beginning. But I do think it's highly underestimated the importance of finding a lawyer that you trust, a good accountant slash bookkeeper, um, and having like your basic needs for the business um, covered before you run and launch everything. I couldn't agree with that more, (laughs) especially because I mean, that was one thing actually that I was like, I need to just pay someone else to do this. Because like you said, your finances and your legal stuff, you definitely don't want to mess up. And it can be very easy to mess it up when you're DIYing it. So I think that's really, really great advice. (laughs) And and I like I've spent so much money correcting the mistakes that I could have easily 
avoid it if I only invest in a good lawyer from the start. And so I think that's something where I wish someone really urged me. And it doesn't mean you have to spend like thousands of dollars, say on a trademark, trademark lawyer or thousands and thousands of dollars on a lawyer. It's finding someone who's like affordable for your budget, but one that like really understands you. And that goes along with you taking yourself seriously. Like if you're like, oh, like I'm trying to start this brand, like, will you kind of work with me? Like people won't necessarily believe in you, but if you're like, listen, like I'm a startup brand, like this is going to be a big business right now. I don't have the funds to be able to afford X, Y, and Z, but I would love to find a way to work with you because as I grow, I believe that my needs with you as my lawyer will grow as well. And so people love working with people they like. So it's having those conversations and finding the right vendor partners that will help set you up for success. Absolutely. And especially too, I mean, that is something, even though there's things that we definitely wish we could have done differently, I think that there's a lot of value and also learning from the mistakes that we make and then therefore doing it even better the second time around. So I think it's really nice to be able to kind of reflect and then share with others the experiences that you had. Yeah. And I've had mentors in the past who would be like, don't do this, do that. And I'd still do it because I really didn't believe it until I saw it for my own eyes. So definitely like if you are, have made mistakes, like don't like stay up all night thinking about them, just move on and see it as a really good, potentially expensive learning lesson. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I want to shift gears and now ask you about the PR aspect of your business and how you've gotten so much traction there, because I know that that's something that is huge for being able to take a brand national and get so much exposure. So with the prominent publications that I had mentioned at the beginning of the show, what do you think led to kind of landing those features and opportunities? So I will say that I have not, um, so we've run Butini for almost six years and I have not gotten PR for Butini um, really ever. I tried working with this one boutique where they would guarantee you publications and that didn't really work. Um, but I just felt like PR is so expensive and it was hard for me to justify us really investing in a PR firm. But what I do think is so important, especially as a startup, and again, it depends on what kind of business you're trying to launch. Like for Bea, I'm definitely going to need a PR rep because it's much easier to place product than a service um, that generally operates in the Northeast. But I would say it all starts with relationships, right? Like the more that you can, like I built my relationships with some people at the New York Times and the Knot and all like Harper's Bazaar. There's all these different publications where like I genuinely love the people who work on those teams. And so it's not about like pitching them, but more so like being top of mind where they're like, listen, like, hey, I have this article coming up. We're recovering beauty trends for 2021. Can I pick your brain? And I always say yes. And even with the Knot, like before they even started featuring us, they needed hair and makeup services for their editorial team for photo shoot, whatever. And I'm always very much like one to like give and like not expect anything in return because the more that people can become familiar with your company, the more that they're going to think of you when they have these PR opportunities. So I, I, my whole approach is like not necessarily investing in a PR firm, but whenever there is like a event industry gala or event, we always have a beauty bar there. If there's ever a big, there was, 
actually the Knot Gala um, today, last year. And that's when we invite all the vendors and planners to get free hair and makeup with us. And so you never know, like through these events and like these offerings that you're doing complimentary to people who everyone is. Like they might be writing a story that greatly aligns with your business. And so that's what has worked with me for Butini. And that's like how we were able to get such great publications. And granted, we work with clients that have wonderful photographers and planners and vendors where like people want to feature the weddings. Um, but for Bea, my approach is like, honestly, instead of finding a firm where like you're paying this huge retainer each month, but not knowing exactly what you're getting, I steer on trying to be as frugal as possible, but investing in something. And I, I found that finding a freelancer who may have worked at a bigger agency or maybe does and does this on the side is the best bet. Um, because they already have the relationships that you may need. We're not paying like an agency cost. Right. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned the part about doing things complimentary, like the events and sponsors and all of that stuff, because I think that's a really huge opportunity to tap into as a business owner, where you can find those like-minded features or opportunities where you can really help to get your name in front of people who are likely to end up purchasing your products or investing in your services. Absolutely. And I do think, and that's something where, you know, like there's both sides of that argument where some people are like, no, like you're going to dilute your brand or like, no, you have to show them how much, how worthy you are. Like you can't discount, you can't do that. But I don't think about it as like a brand dilution. I think of it as more of giving, like the more that you give and put out in, in the world, the more chances of you receiving as well. And so that's how I built my brand. And that's where I'm like, Hey, do you need free swag for your event? I'd love to get involved because for me, I know if I can get my new beauty products in the hands of people, that's going to give me a higher likelihood of them going off and then buying the full size down the road. And so my biggest push, especially when people are like, Hey, I'm starting a new company. Will you hire me? I'm like, you need to go out there. Like until you have this impressive portfolio, do what you need to do to like get yourself to the place where you can start charging. There's nothing. I'm a huge proponent, even with interns. Like if, if you can financially do it, take an internship that does credit for your college course or whatever versus only demanding pay. Because when you think about it, like competition is stiff, no matter what industry you're in, no matter how old you are and what your experience is, the more that you can give and find opportunities and see these, these relationships as an op opportunity versus like, oh, I'm spending X amount on services. It's going to be a much cheaper, genuine way to get your brand out there and build relationships than just forcing it through um, PR pitches left and right. Yes, absolutely. And especially too, I mean, sometimes I think people forget about the things that you're doing for free can lead to those paid opportunities further down the line. Like I was actually just speaking about this with someone the other day where there was a speaking event I did. I want to say it was two and a half years ago now. And I spoke to a group of entrepreneurs about marketing and it was something I did for free because I genuinely love doing stuff like that. But from that gig came four paying clients that have continuously worked with me over these past two and a half years. And so it's crazy to think about because the money that comes from that would have been nowhere near the amount of money that comes from 
one single speaking gig. And so it's like, you kind of have to look at it as by strategically placing yourself in front of these opportunities, you can get so many good things to come out of it. So I really, really love and appreciate that you've kind of shared that experience as well with our listeners. Yeah. I would just say like, think of it as seems like you do like as a marketing expense, right? Like it's not like you're losing money, but as you're building out your go-to-market strategy or launching, like put some money aside to like have these these opportunities where you can say yes to them. Um, because I do think like that's a great example where the ROI is definitely there. There's definitely tweaks and things that you can be mindful of as you're doing these events or as you're doing any speaking engagements, make sure that you do promote your services or products. But I think it's so huge for you to give. And as you build your portfolio, you build your baseline of customers because it will always, I truly do believe that it will come back to you. Absolutely. And Brittany, the next thing that I'd really like to ask you is why do you think it's so important for individuals to start a business at a young age specifically? So I toyed with this a ton when I was graduating college because, you know, at one point people were like, well, you don't have any work experience. Like you don't really know what you're doing. Go take a corporate job, learn and then do it. But then a family friend's um, father took me aside as I was trying to figure this out this summer of after graduation and said, listen, Britt, you have to do it when you're either really young or you're really old. Because once you have a family and you have people depending on you, it makes it much harder for you to leave your very stable, well-paying corporate job to start a business. And that's really, that has always sunk into me. And I said, like, I'm willing to invest my 20s and like work as much as possible so I can live the life I want in my 30s. And I do think that like you can still have fun. And I always see my friends. I do date, like I do everything as well, but I think having that priority was key to me. Um, so I, one would say, doesn't really matter what age you are. Like I have plenty of friends and you hear even Drunk Elephant, like that the founder of Drunk Elephant who sold to Shiseido for I think $845 million. She started it as a mom. And I think that there's, a, there's really no right or wrong time to start. But I do think the younger you start and not wait, like I wasn't used to making money. I wasn't used to ever getting a paycheck when I started. So me not having a crazy great (laughs) salary in the beginning wasn't as much of a shock as if I were to move here, get a very fancy apartment and have a certain lifestyle and then having to readjust if I started it a few years after graduation. So that's where I think like if you have this idea, this burning idea, this burning passion to start it and you would die if someone else did it before you, I say go for it. And like try to find like if you can bootleg, like bootstrap, that's awesome. If you need friends and family money, or angel investment, like do that too. like figure out what's best for your company. But I do think when you're young, we have so much energy. There's so much passion behind it that I think you really can do it and do it well. Absolutely. And you made so many great points throughout that with the fact that we just don't really have the responsibilities that we would as we're older. And it therefore gives us so much more opportunity to, like you said, work however much as you want or however much you need to during your 20s. That way, as you get older, you've already put in the heavy work and you're able to kind of take a step back and focus on living a life that you want, which is amazing. Yeah. And all your friends are probably after graduation, not making a ton of money. So you're kind of in the same boat, but then by the time you're in the thirties, like they might be making a lot more, say 
in your mid twenties, like right now I have some friends making so much more than me, but I know like the upside potential of having a business that sells or it gets acquired is much greater than if I was working at L'Oreal right now. Yes, absolutely. Brittany, this has been such an amazing episode that I have thoroughly enjoyed and I know our listeners will too. And so now I'd love to ask you that if there was one last piece of advice you could share with our listeners for someone who may just be starting their company, what would it be? Bring people along for your journey. So what I did with Butini was I knew that when I was at the point of trying to raise money, there were certain people that I would want to invest in my company. And so throughout my senior year, and even before that, I would always check in with them and be like, hey, like, here is like a mood board that I'm thinking for the Butini brand. I'd love to get your insight. Or like, here's a business plan that I created. Can we meet? And so I can just get your ideas and your feedback on it. Um, and so I think that was, a, and so what happened was, each of my angel investors ended up asking me if they could invest in Butini, not the other way around. And I do think the reason for that was because I brought them along for my journey where they felt so invested in Butini that they're like, wait a minute, I don't want to just help and give feedback. Like I want to have like a financial stake in it because I'm, I already feel like I'm a part of the company. And so right now with Bea, I created a newsletter that you can find like on my Instagram link where it's about, it's called the lowdown. And I bring you behind like me starting this new company and the ups and downs and like how I go about building the business. Because the point is I want people who already know me or we've worked with through Butini to feel like they're a part of my journey, part of the process. So when the, the product does come out, they're like, I need to have it because I feel like I helped to create it. More that you can involve your network, people, like people love to feel like they've helped and been a part of something bigger than themselves. So bring people on your journey, like ask them questions, do polls on Instagram, ask them what color packaging they like more and like listen to them. And the more that you do that and make people feel a part of your business and part of your community, the stronger the brand and community that you're ultimately going to be able to cultivate. I love that. And I could not agree more because there have been so many times where I'm, well, I'm like very open to sharing like my life and my business and my journey and all this stuff in different Facebook groups. And so there's been so many times where people have reached out to me and they're like, I've been following you since you started Dash of Social. And it's just so great to see like where you were when you started and see you now. And so hearing stuff like that is like so humbling and knowing that people really enjoy, like you said, following along with your journey and it can just really do so much for you too. And that's amazing that you can do it because a lot of people always message me and like, Hey, like, I know you do this a lot, but I feel so awkward posting about myself and talking about me and like sharing these intimate details. And I always say like, as you're sharing your journey, remember this is a business strategy, right? So it's not about you feeling guilty or weird about posting pictures of yourself or pretending trying to become an influencer to create your community. Like, it is for the business. It's bigger than you. So don't feel awkward. Don't feel silly. It's going to be a little bit of an adjustment as you learn how to communicate your journey to others. But like you have to put out there every as much as you really feel comfortable doing so, because that's the only way people are going to feel like they have this insight into your life and insight to your journey. Absolutely. Brittany, this has been such an awesome episode. And so now I'd love if you could share where, with our listeners where they can find you online in case they'd like to connect with you further. 
Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. And if you guys want to ask me any other questions after this episode, you can find me right on Instagram at Brittany.low, T-A-N-Y dot L-O. Um, the link to my newsletter, if you want to follow along as I create Bea, is right in my bio. And then if you can, I have a podcast as well called Cake for Breakfast. And that could be found right on Spotify or Apple. And our Instagram is Cake for breakfast podcast. Perfect. And I will make sure to link to all of those in the show notes in case our listeners miss them so they can click through from there. But Brittany, thank you so much again for being a guest today. Thank you so much. This is incredible what you've built and I'm so honored to be a part of it. And I hope that we can connect again soon. Thanks so much for listening today. I'd love it if you could subscribe, leave a review and share this episode with those who could use it most. For show notes and more information, go to studenttoceo.com forward slash podcast.